Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your lunch. I'd like to remind you that next week is our annual general meeting, and uh, the agenda and minutes will be sent out before the meeting to members. So please ensure you're signed up as a member. Of course, this helps us bring in a diversity of speakers, but also allows you then to have a voice in the annual general meeting. As well, uh, you will get a free lunch at the annual general meeting. So membership does have its privileges. You can see uh, Annalise uh, to uh, sign up. Okay. So again, our topic was public schools, private schools, charter schools, navigating the complexities of the Alberta education system. And we'll have Barbara and Lisa here to answer some of your questions. Remember that we're here to ask questions, so keep your comments brief. Please state your name at the mic and uh, limit your preamble so we can move on to as many questions as possible. And we'll have questions until 1.30. Am I on, Annalise? Yes, I can hear it now. Ladies, I appreciate where you're coming from. I come from a different perspective, having been at Emmanuel Christian for over 30 years. Okay, my name is Henry Heinen. Thanks, Henry. We know. But I get these pats on the back from Henning. I have to be careful. But anyway, you did not mention the Catholic system. You did not mention the alternate system, which a lot of private schools are now, including Emmanuel Christian. And there's our French schools. Mm -hmm. And there's also uh, a lot of places have special schools, uh, segments in the separate buildings for students that can't function, say, in a regular high school. Maybe you can comment on that. Go ahead. Sure. So maybe, um, so um, uh, public education, um, our, our argument is not that public education should be one size fits all. Um, obviously, we have students with uh, with varying needs, uh, and education is um, is a responsibility of the province. We are the province is is obligated to provide education uh, for all children um, up to grade 12. So, children that have special needs, um, obviously, they need to be accommodated. And, and met where they're at. Um, the idea is that, that public education should be flexible, and we also have obligations to meet within our province. So part of those obligations um, are with regards to the ability um, to have religious schools in Catholic education, also to meet our obligations when it comes to French language education um, as a part of the Constitution um, and, and those sorts of ideas. So obviously, um, it, like sort of to reiterate, it's not about education being one size fits all. It should be accessible and equitable to all children where they're at and to meet their needs. So if that requires um, special schools, perhaps for children with autism or other um, physical and mental needs, uh, those, those services are provided by 
uh, public education right now. Um, the Calgary Board of Education, that is what we know best um, because we're, we're Calgarians and we have children in the system. Uh, the CBE has some wonderful, wonderful schools for, for children with special needs. In fact, at my children's school, we have a program for children with special needs. The children are not able to be at, at grade level, um, so they are in their own class, but they are in our community school. So they're, it's, a, it's a way of, of integrating the students while meeting their needs. Can I, yeah, absolutely. Can I just add um, that the Catholic school and the French school all lie within the, the public system. So when we talk about the public system, um, it's implied that those fall under that system. Alternative programming is a very niche area that, you know, once once we do look at these things, almost almost adds another tier to the three-tier system. Uh, and it's very complex. It's very um, unique to the Palliser uh, School Board. Some t There are examples of that in the Edmonton Public School Board, not quite as glaringly obvious as with the Palliser School Board. It does present another niche, but Catholic and French lie under the public school board. Public school system. Sorry. Hi, my name is Henning Mundel. Um, I have a different question, but just as a, a quick follow-up there, you implied that the public school has general accessibility, but I know that at least in the past, Ecole La Vironde here required one parent to be of French background. Mm -hmm. Similarly, Catholic school, the separate school system, depending on their, their student numbers, may require at least a parent to be Catholic. So there is not necessarily general accessibility, although they're public school. My question, though, relates about something I don't think you mentioned at all or referred to at all, and that's all the homeschooling. And here in southern Alberta, we have so much with a whole range of qualifications and standards and so on, particularly in relation to the Mexican Mennonites and so on. So I wonder if you want to comment on that. Do you want to comment on homeschooling? Sure. Well, <laughs> um, so I mean, ho homeschooling is something that's been made available to um, to families in Alberta. Um, homeschooling is is funded separately. Um, it has its own funding model uh, through Alberta Education. Um, the funding models through Alberta Education are extremely complex. The funding, the edu Alberta Education funding manual is about 150 pages long. Um, we have sort of delved into it to look at some of the factors that that affect funding in public education because, really, a lot of what we talked about today has come out of. Um, how education has been funded in this province uh, predominantly over the past 30 years. But yes, homeschooling is obviously an option here in Alberta. Um, Alberta Education regulates homeschooling. It's under their jurisdiction. It's their job <laughs> to, to make sure that um, standards are being met and that sort of thing. Whether that's actually happening, I mean, that's something that Alberta Education may need to look into further to see if there's something that needs to be addressed there. But um, for our purposes, for some of the work that we've been doing, um, we're, um, it's not something that we've touched on, on greatly. Um, our focus has been on advocating and, and strengthening the public education system um, after um, many years of it being underfunded and undermined. Any other comments? I don't know if that really answers your question. My name's Tony Parangita, and um, I was also wondering uh, why you made no mention of Catholic schools in, in your presentation. I know they come under public schools, and there's some um, legislative and perhaps constitutional protection, 
but um, one of your objectives is to address the resourcing issues in the education system. It's estimated that um, having two parallel public systems adds about 200 million a year in burden to our, our, our tax base. And uh, would it not make sense to address that as well? So I'm wondering if you have sensed in your work any appetite in the grassroots or in the political sphere to uh, work to combine the two systems into one and realize these savings. Um, the separate school system really just combines religious indoctrination with public education in a way that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So we would agree with you 100%. There is definitely an appetite in Alberta to reduce the redundancy of two school boards, separate and public. The reason we didn't address that in this particular uh, presentation is because we feel that the, the most prominent topic at hand is uh, diverting funds from the public system as a whole. Catholic system, the Catholic Separate School Board lies within that system. So as our first layer in terms of refocusing funds to the public system is to address those funds that are leaving the system, either through charter and private. Once we've made that claim, to redirect funds back into the public system, then the next level of argument in protecting public education and in refocusing the strength of the system is to then address that issue. So it's not that we don't see it, it's not that we don't believe it, we, we definitely believe that um, uh, religion and pu public education should be separate, it should be secular. Uh, we just feel like that this is the first tier en route to that argument, protecting the public education system from a diversion of funds, and then addressing within the public education system how those funds are being uh, diluted. Good afternoon, my name is Mark Slingerland. Thank you for your uh, presentation. I very much enjoyed the introduction and the strong public system, I, I fully agree. I'm, I'm Wondering about your choice of terms, three-tier education system. Right. Um, I assume that was chosen advisedly. Uh, I'd like to ask a, a very brief question and then follow up, if that's okay. okay. So, um, is it, in your opinion, the the um, goals you set out, quality, accessibility, equitability, is that a goal of each school or of the system? The system, absolutely. Okay, yeah. thank you. I, I agree. <laughs> and um, so then I, I wonder, uh, just now you said something about um, money going to independent and, and charter schools is leaving the system. Mm, yeah. And, and I, I'm not sure why it needs to be a, uh, a contrast. Strong public education should mean every student in Alberta has access to quality education. And the, just to give one example, within the public system, it was mentioned already, but I, I have a friend who's a, a principal in Cold Lake at an independent school, and the reason there's an independent school in Cold Lake is because the local public school board decided that it didn't, uh, the numbers on the base didn't justify having a school there. And the parents, who rightly are, are concerned for their children and their education, wanted quality education accessible to their children. So the... I'm sorry? Sorry, as does every parent. Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so I, I don't... Uh, I guess my question is why, why are, is it being phrased as a competition between these types of schooling when in fact all of these types of schooling are serving the public good in different ways in different places? I think you can argue what the public good is being served. Um, f first issue I'd like to take is with the term independent school. Um, independent school dilutes 
the idea that they're, or emphasizes the fact that these schools are independent. They're not actually independent because they're receiving 70% government funding. So that means they have a responsibility to the public. Once, um, once any type of infrastructure receives public funds, they have an obligation to the public. So while um, public transit, we all put money into public transit, even though I don't use it, it shouldn't have the right to refuse service to anyone. The same can be said for healthcare, the same can be said for any other establishment that receives public funding. So our problem is not that the, every, first of all, every parent wants the best um, education system for their child. We feel that energy is best focused in making the public system uh, strong and equitable and accessible to all children. And when we take funds, our problem is not with the existence of these choices. Our problem is the fact that it's being funded by the government and diluting the power of the, uh, the public system. So our, our position is that um, together we, w we can create a better system if we all stay in the system. If you choose to leave, of course that is your choice, but your choice then is to actually leave the system. And so if you're going to be independent and choose independence, then you need to be independent from government funding. And you have that right and you have that option, but it should not detract. Again, the last uh, statement, which I, you know, I really quite, quite liked in our presentation, was while choice may benefit the individual, it comes at the cost of community and diversity. And I think those are two things that our public school system uh, should be offering more than just the three R's, but developing engaged, thoughtful citizens. And that comes with diversity and community that we find in our public school systems. No, you can have diversity of school choice. Absolutely choice, but understand that choice has become a euphemism for segregating and it shouldn't be publicly funded. Good afternoon. Thank you, Thank you very much for the wonderful presentation. First of all, my name is Dan Kortakowski and I have two quick questions to ask you. I like to think they're quick questions, and yeah. yeah. Um, what could be done for preparing students for college or university? As you know, sometimes people develop bad study habits during school, and I'm wondering if there's a way that they could uh, develop better study habits throughout the school instead of having people that uh, ace tests by not even studying, whereas the other person has to work hard and get uh, mediocre grades. And then as they go to college, they end up getting bad grades, the people with uh, poor study habits, as they're either partying too much or, work, in my case, working too much or whatever else the case may be. And the second question is, I'm just wondering if, uh, you could teach public speaking in lower grades of education or in high school, because I think you two do a very wonderful job. Thank you. And I like public speaking myself, so those are my questions. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I think a couple of things to address your questions. So um, one thing that we have really heard from high school students uh, locally in Calgary and in Edmonton is that um, these cuts that have happened in education um, through you know, the past um, three years or so, not this year. Um, I mean, the, the budgets, it's interesting if you look at the education budget this year, um, while uh, the government has decided to enroll in fund enrollment, there are no other um, changes to the government. So actually the, the levels are being are the same as after they were uh, three years of cuts in. But we know um, 
especially with high school students, um, that the high school students have really, um, the resources in high school have really been affected by these cuts. And we have large class sizes, almost too large for the physical space um, in some classrooms. We have, we've heard from students that there, there's not enough desks for them. And there's, the teachers aren't being resourced properly to be able to help their students. Students are relying on going to YouTube or relying on going to other students to do those sorts of things exactly. Learn how to study, learn how to study for a test, learn how to do their homework. And so that's something that, that we we honestly feel needs to be addressed because um, you know sometimes we hear from people to say well the class size there are studies that, that say that class size doesn't matter but in in the system right now because um, there have been so many cuts we have large classes that are not resourced appropriately so we have one teacher perhaps nobody to help them in very large classrooms um, including um, high school classrooms where they're trying to do chemistry experiments and they're in biology experiments and they just don't have the resources and the support and we see those sorts of things um, in high school graduation rates as well alberta has um, outside of of the territories in canada alberta has the worst high school completion rates uh, rates in, in the country and so and so that's something else that needs to be addressed I can speak specifically to the Calgary Board of Education this year they did put in extra money uh, for graduation coaches so that more kids will are successfully completing grade 12 education and are being given those skills um, to be able to continue on um, and be successful in post-secondary education and your your bits about about public speaking I mean this is this is the perfect time now that the government has announced um, a curriculum redevelopment so when um, when Alberta education is ready to come they have already told us that they're going to do extensive public um, engagement with their curriculum redesign and so when the opportunity arises uh, for feedback about pieces about curriculum then that is the perfect time to to be telling the government about things that you want to see um, for your kids education uh, Terry Shillington thank you very much for being here and for the very crisp factual way you uh, presented things I'd like to go back to the question that Henning raised around homeschooling mm. um, speaking for the board we almost had a speaker uh, this winter on on the issue of Mennonite homeschooling and in the end, he decided it wasn't safe uh, for him to make the presentation. But he, he was, from the inside, he was raising great concern about the quality of education that happens in Mennonite homeschooling. And uh, I hear you responding to uh, Henning's question with the question of funding. And, and you're very much, uh, I think, preoccupied with funding and, and sharing of funds. But I think there ought to be questions raised about the quality of education that happens in some of the homeschooling, and I don't know who's doing that. I, it seems like a hot potato that yeah. uh, governments don't want to deal with, and I, I don't hear you addressing <coughs> the quality of home uh, of education within homeschooling, which ought to, ought to be our concern too, should it not? Uh, absolutely, I, I would agree with that. I mean, we we are not experts in homeschooling. Um, I mean, that's part of the the difficulty in answering the question. Uh, we are not homeschoolers. I, I personally know some homeschoolers, um, but and I do under I have a, a sort of a a brief understanding on how homeschooling works. But absolutely, I mean that is something. Um, the oversight of homeschooling is something that needs to be addressed by the province. I'm not sure that's something because they are outside. They're not under a school board. They're not, they don't have that same 
regulation obviously that's that's happens when a school is under a school board even I mean a private school even at least has um, oversight from a board and that and that sort of thing so I mean I agree. I mean, homeschooling, I think, is a really sensitive topic. Um, we are not experts on it at all, so it's hard for us to answer specifically um, about that part. And I'd just like to add, um, <clears throat> Alberta education is incredibly complex. Uh, our presentation for, for today's purposes is 30 minutes long. It probably could be three hours, and we still wouldn't touch on all the complexities that exist. And it's, you know, 40-plus years of a very tangled web of different levels. For simplicity, we made it into three levels. It actually could incorporate, obviously, the homeschooling level, the alternative program level, uh, and we could break it down. Um, but in, in an effort to, to voice and megaphone our concerns, we, f we feel that uh, presenting it in this manner is the one that is the most um, conducive for the general population to understand. It's not that there aren't niches, it's not that we think the system is perfect, it's not that we don't think that there lie issues in homeschooling and alternative programming that don't need to be addressed. We think we need to get to that point, and so we're starting at the outer ring of issues and working our way in, and for us this is the first level uh, from which we can affect some change. Uh, Bev Trainer. Thank you for uh, a very informative uh, talk today. Uh, I'll just give, I, I do have a question, probably more than one, but I'll give just a brief background. I did most of my career uh, in Calgary teaching at high need schools. And I've been retired now for since 2001. And I have taught mostly Calgary, but I also taught over in England. And over in England, I saw a very segregated system. And I also saw when I was in Calgary how I saw the system develop into what it is right now. And I agree that we need to pull back more funding for the public system. And my question is, how do we improve the public system to the point where people won't have the same desire to take off uh, into these private sectors? And I don't... And, the reality is, when I was teaching, started my teaching, we had heterogeneous, heterogeneous grouping for students with special needs and certain things where they felt special teachers could give them a better quality education. Now, I know I'm not going to be politically correct in speaking about the possibility of going back to that, but to put every need into a regular classroom is not feasible for the teacher with 30 kids to be able to meet all those needs with a third of their uh, assessment being IPPs. So my question is, how can we revamp the public system to get more people to feel confident in it? And I think some of the ways or things that we used to do provided better quality education in regards to special need kids or, or kids with a lot of different uh, you know, factions. So that's my question to you. How do we do that? I'll address part. I'll let Lisa address part because I'm sure she has something to say about that. Um, part of bringing people back into the system uh, w would mean over years the funding cuts have affected all of the programs like music, arts, sports, phys ed, all of those things, which created a perfect environment for those 
for people who placed importance on those subjects to create their own alternative programs. And so they all left the system. If we can reinvest in making those programs top-notch within the public system, I'm going to quote uh, you know, an example, Finland, whose public system is so strong, even though they have a private system, no one feels the need to leave it to access a different system. Because their music comp uh, programs are comprehensive, their arts programs are comprehensive, their special education is comprehensive, it means investing. It means investing as much as we can in that and, and integrating all of these components. The reason we have troubles um, meeting the needs of special needs children in our schools is because we don't have those resource teachers. They don't need to be necessarily in the classroom, but they need to be in the public school. That child needs to be integrated as much as my child needs to see those children integrated in the community. They will not be segregated or should not be segregated in the community after they're in school and they shouldn't be once they're in school. So while those children might not be able to go to every single class with my child or your child, they should be in the school because they are part of our community and that's how we integrate diverseness in our system. To do that means funds and resources so that those children have the special needs currently in schools. We don't have child psychologists available. We don't have speech pathologists available. We don't have physiotherapists available. These are needs that children have. And if you don't address a lot of these needs, for example, speech pathology, if a child has a speech problem that isn't addressed by the age of eight, they are very unlikely to have that problem solved. So every school should have access to a speech pathologist without having it spread thin. But that means concentrating funds, concentrating resources, and making it a priority. At this, at this time, it's very easy to leave the system if you have the resources. We're asking people to stay and fight for all children to have this access, not just because you may particularly have the ability to leave, because it doesn't leave a legacy for those other children who are coming down the tube who need it. That's my position. Lisa, do you want to add? Okay. We're getting close to the end of our time, so I'm gonna, I see there's two people waiting to ask questions, and I even have one myself, so I'm gonna ask you to be really brief at the mic. Just a question. Lance Chong, and uh, thanks for bringing education, this subject matter, which is really important to SACPA, and uh, appreciate. Uh, you were talking about financing, and uh, I have a simple math question, which is in my mind, I haven't got two and two plus together, so, Maybe you can help me uh, doing that. Uh, so what is the allocation of funding uh, per student uh, annually right now in the public sector? Okay, so that's a super complex question. So there's more just than a, just, just a rough okay, number. So is it for um, elementary school, because okay. uh, high school kids and junior high get a little bit more money. Um, so for elementary school, um, Carol, yeah, let's it's use just elementary under seven. School. 207? No, no, it's just it's um, just a little over six thousand dollars. Six thousand dollars. So that's okay. just the per student fund, and so there's a whole bunch of other factors right. that can add money. So special needs, socioeconomic factors, busing, all those have different funding models. But the per student amount for elementary children is in the six thousand dollar range, in right now. Well, right. No, infrastructure, no. not. No, that's so the base. Infrastructure, including busing and everything, can you give me a ballpark estimate? I'm going to step in here. So I think what they're saying is the, the base funding from the province, but as they mentioned in their presentation, the extra funding or the extra cost for busing and fees varies by right. jurisdiction. Yeah. So what's your question, Lance? So if put that number in mind, just let's yep. you 6,000. Sure without other uh, consideration. 
Uh, for somebody who uh, doing homeschool, do they uh, receiving any money from the government each year? Yes. What is that number? So I believe it's it's somewhere around twelve to fifteen hundred dollars. Um, it's so it because the idea is that they don't get the same amount that they would go if they were going to school because they don't require the teachers and a school building and you know all those sorts of things. So it's basically to to pay for resources and that sort of thing. Okay, you're not going to get another one out of us. So we're going to go to the next speaker because you've got, Lance, you've had two, two questions, Lance. Come up to the mic, sir. Yes. Okay, Lance, you've had your questions. I'm asking you to respect the speakers and our SACPAW Members, Lance, Lance, My name is Eris Slingerland, and appreciate your uh, information. But you, uh, as the previous uh, gentleman also mentioned, is the about the funding and. Have you ever figured out that if the government cut out the funding to private schools, how much extra mo money the government would be short to run the public system? makes the assumption that all those people will come back into the system. So if the charter schools come in, they're already being funded 100%. Um, the private schools' kids are already being funded 70%. Uh, so to cover the other 30% obviously would be a burden, but it's a burden I think as a society we should be willing to take to uh, incorporate inclusiveness and diversity in our systems. But you're also Decom assuming you're also assuming that those people, and I we've spoken to people in the private education system, and they know this discussion is going on, and you're not hearing a lot from them because they know they will continue in the private system. To assume that it's, this, it's the very same argument of saying when we increase taxes, people will leave the province. It, it has never happened, it doesn't happen, and for the most part, people who are in the private system are electing, um, they're electing something more than just access to education, and they will continue with that choice for the most part to stay out of the public system for reasons other than just academics. Okay, and that takes us to 1.30. I missed my question, but I'm gonna <laughs> ask you via Twitter. Thank you everyone for you. attending this session and a reminder that next week is the annual general meeting. Thank you and thank you to thank our you. speakers.